Cause and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Today's show has two guests. We have uh, Project Coordinator Janelle Henry and Director Dana Warren, both from the Urban Shaman Gallery here in Winnipeg. Urban Shaman is a very cool organization. It's an Indigenous artist-run center that's been doing it since 1996, and they are true leaders in showcasing and celebrating contemporary Indigenous art. I sat down with Dana Warren and Janelle Henry from Urban Shaman Gallery to talk about revitalizing Indigenous languages through art, connecting language back to culture, and Urban Shaman mission to continue supporting Indigenous artists well into the future. Thank you for listening to the Because and Effect podcast. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined by two very special guests. Uh, we have Janelle Henry and Dana Warren. Janelle is the project coordinator for Urban Shaman, and Dana is the director of the Urban Shaman Gallery in Winnipeg. Ladies, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting us. It's Hi, great. Everyone. It's great to see you. I can see the mask still going. Um, so maybe before we get into the project that we're here to talk about and, and Urban Shaman in general, just how has COVID kind of changed your guys's lives in the last, um, you know, two years or so? How how is the, how has it affected the gallery? How's it affected your work? And how's it affected you? Um, well, it's definitely had an impact for sure on our programming. Um, so much not so much um the actual like scheduling of things um i was very careful not to cancel any of the artist projects uh over the last well since going back to march 2020 because that's when we really had the very first shutdown um and so we kind of just pushed back uh some of the exhibition dates to june uh and then there was there's always been little little bits of relief but uh, within the restrictions and so i just kept the programming going and what we really tried to do is pivot to more of a digital platform. So we have now uh, the virtual galleries going online. So if anything ever happens again, like we, we always make sure we document it really well. So at least people can have like the experience of still seeing the exhibitions. Um, it's kind of like a Google Maps, like when you walk walk on the street view or whatever, mm -hmm. that's kind of what it's like going through the gallery. So you can actually move around the space and um, check out the, uh, the programming, like all the pieces on the walls or whatever's up. Um, we even have video, we're trying to get publications also up in there. So yeah, so we've been really trying to still make it as immersive as possible, but also just kind of being also very careful with ourselves and our audience. So most most of the way people can access the programming right now is uh, through appointment only. And so yes, and then we can monitor who's coming and going. Of course, safety comes first, but but what, what has been some of the reaction of people who, who take these virtual tours and see some of the things that uh, Urban Shaman has to offer in a digital space? Uh, so far, the feedback we've been getting has been really great. Um, I think uh, we were kind of like, we've been wanting to do this for so long, not just because of uh, COVID, but because um, we really want to try and up our audience around remote and reserved communities um, within Manitoba and across Canada. And so trying to build these virtual galleries has been a really big, long, long time goal for us. And so um, it's kind of working hand in hand with the project we're about to talk about with the Indigenous languages just trying to get more accessibility to our programming for Indigenous peoples, but you know, like our programming is for everybody. So um, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So Janelle, maybe tell me about how you got involved with Urban Shaman and, and uh, maybe if you want to talk about the project as well. We have the Sacred sacred Sounds, the Legacy of Anishinaabe Mowen. Mowen. Mowen, right. You told me before we started recording and I still got it wrong. Sacred Sounds, the Legacy We're of Anishinaabe Mowen. Yes, perfect. You got it. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I came on through university. Dana was my professor for an Indigenous spirituality and art, and it was an elective. It was my last elective, and they're like for hiring for the summer for people under thirty, and I was under thirty, and so I was like, I'm gonna try. Perfect. And awesome. Then, like, it's been about five years, six years. I can't um, believe it's been that long. <laughs> we're just like, wow. let's try this language project thing. And I never thought it would be like this long, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about it. Tell me about uh, Sacred Sounds. Yeah. Um, but we have to thank Winnipeg Foundation for that because um, really you guys started the seed of all this, the formalizing of this project. Um, going back to the beginning of Urban Shaman, which opened in 1996, um, it is our 25th year anniversary. I'm just going to put that out there. So oh, congratulations. Know. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and so um, Urban Shaman has always been a space about supporting and promoting Indigenous contemporary art. And I think even back then, um, artists were, you know, utilizing Indigenous languages to title their projects or title their exhibitions. But um, it wasn't probably until like the director before me that, you know, the board was really behind trying to trying to incorporate Indigenous languages on a like more prevalent level. And so it still took a long time to get going. And for sure, like it's been so great that Janelle just kind of took it on and really ran with the whole thing. So I'll let her explain that. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so go ahead, Janelle. We've seen that the reconciliation grant was up and so we applied to it and we got the three year funding. So that really helped us start translating the exhibition text into it. And then as it started going, we started getting more feedback from people. And then um, we started applying for more grants. And so we started taking on a bit more stuff and now it's just like it's snowballing. That's great to hear. So, I mean, there's a lot of different partnerships and organizations like the university and everything, but what, what was it like sort of coordinating with so many different groups and, and on, on one project? And there's probably a lot of balls in the air at the same time, and you're kind of juggling things as it goes, but just what was it like sort of with so many different organizations all coming together for this one focus? Um, it's been really amazing. Um, I think it's just been like kind of like steps uh, um, on a ladder because like mm. first we had the ideas and we managed to get the funding through Winnipeg Foundation. We started like doing the research on the translators, who's out there, um, you know, and just slowly building that up person by person, business and organizations. Um, I think Manitoba, what is it called? Manitoba Languages. Yeah, Manitoba Indigenous Languages Center. Yeah, yeah. which is which is over on um, Sutherland, uh, just down in Point Douglas there. They've been like an immense help to us. So we really got to give them a shout out because they've been so helpful in all, doing all the translations for all of our stuff. So whether it's been for our print or text materials, um, our advertising, things like that, it's been, um, yeah, it's been so amazing just to be able to talk and find new people to kind of help work with us. So, and we have quite a few languages. So first we started, I think with just, mostly Ojibwe and Cree, but now we're, we're trying to incorporate a lot, which is, you know, it's, it's a big challenge. <laughs> no kidding. Well, there's so many languages and so many languages were lost, right. And, and tried to be erased. So like how important is language to culture and how important is it to maintain and sustain and revitalize these languages that people maybe haven't spoken for, for a long time. And, and what's that been like for you guys? Uh, yeah, that one, like what's, 
with language for culture. That's a big one. But mm -hmm. I know that that's how our ancestors talk to us. That's how they teach us about the world. And that's how that's how we learn. And so having those present, it really changes your worldview and the way you think about things and just the whole community, the way you look at things. Mm -hmm. Another perspective, hey, like if you can think in another language or, or, or express something in another language, it gives you a whole different perspective on, and maybe you didn't think of it that way, or, or there's, you know, a word for something that doesn't necessarily exist in English or whatever, or whatever that's been. What's, what's that been like for you personally on, on sort of discovering and rediscovering? I don't know what, what your relationship was with languages before, but like after this project, do you have a new um, appreciation for language or, or how has that affected you guys? Um, well, definitely for me, like it's been uh, a huge learning curve. I'm still not fluent in my own language, which is Cree, and mm. I'm, I'm Prairie Cree. I'm not uh, Swampy Cree from the north in Manitoba. Um, but yeah, but I think there's just the realization of how like the worldview around language is so different from a European-based or Western-based um, conceptual kind of thinking model. So it's really gonna you really have to switch your, the way you perceive it and the way you kind of look at it. And I think one of the best things I'd heard uh, through Janelle and Brennan McKay, who's also working very uh, closely with her on the project, um, was just like learning that, you know, language is more, um, the way you pick it up is more through the body rather than, mm. you know, kind of going through a textbook and, you know, studying it, right? So, um, yeah, so it's definitely just a, a whole different approach that you have to take with it. and. Um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we're even doing at the gallery um, for some of the projects and trying to, you know, do artist statements and things like that, you know, they don't always like completely like literally translate from mm -hmm. one to the other, because it's just so different uh, different worlds coming kind of clashing together right there. So you know, trying to get the translators to really kind of try and get as close or get the idea across of what the artist is trying to say is. I think probably the hardest part, and I just got to say thank you to our translators because they work really hard on trying to make that, you know, digestible for somebody who is fluent in the Indigenous, whatever Indigenous language we're, we're like presenting, so. Beautiful. That must be such an emotionally, like, exceptional experience when you're, you're seeing something conveyed in the traditional languages, whereas they might not be have been spoken for a long time. Um, what was what's the most surprising thing about this project for both of you for, for Dana and Janelle? Um, what, what was the most surprising part of this thing when you when when experiencing these new languages, not new languages, these old languages and, and revitalizing them? What, what surprised you the most? The thing that surprised me the most is um, that this was all Dakota land. And I didn't know that. <laughs> and so when I first started working on the project, um, I'm from Rosa River and we're an Ojibwe nation. So like Ojibwe and Cree has always been dominant in my timeline and what's mm -hmm. like going on here. Like I'm like, it's Ojibwe and Cree here. And then in talking with a translator, he was telling me that. And I was just like totally blown away. Yeah. <laughs> And Dana, same question. What what surprised you about this whole you know five year process or however long it's been? Um, I think what's been maybe just to go back to even what you had you know had mentioned before, like what's 
what's been really amazing about seeing about the project is just having the words up like because we have a title wall where all the didactics go with explain you know the artist bio and you know their artist statements and you know just visually seeing the language is really beautiful it's uh that's the stuff that kind of makes me more emotional about uh, this whole um this whole initiative because it's really huge and we've really <laughs> been very uh um, i guess like gung-ho on trying to incorporate <laughs> it because considering that we aren't fluid in, in it but we're trying our best to like at least make it something that's um, really special for people who do want to come into the gallery and who can understand it. So yeah, beautifully, beautifully said. Obviously, this would be an emotional thing, sort of reconnecting with your roots and and with your culture and everything of that nature. So when you see someone sort of experiencing the gallery and and reading things in their native tongue, like how does that make you feel when you watch people or hear people from people who are who are hearing things in their in their own language and and i would imagine there's a lot of gratitude for being able to maintain or sustain these and revitalize these for people who maybe haven't seen it written or haven't seen it um spoken or heard it spoken for a long time mm -hmm. yeah i mean i don't think we hear so much from the actual speakers uh all the time i know the artists that because some of the artists are are Cree or ojibwe but a lot of them are kind of out of towners um, so they they're not so sure about because we're opening it up to whether the artists want to use their own background language. And so a lot of them don't know translators in their language. And mm. so they just kind of, you know, revert to us and they say, well, you know, let you guys choose the language because I'm not so comfortable with that. Because um, we don't want to push it on the artists too, to have to feel like they have to do that. But um, we're like, okay, well, if we choose that, then we'll go with Ojibwe Creek. because that seems to kind of be the more general um, kind of more popular, I guess, um, right. language that's spoken right now. So, um, but yeah, so I guess the only things is just trying to, because um, we can't read what we're putting out there. And so there's been, <laughs> we have gotten some uh, feedback of we've incorrectly put some words up. <laughs> oh, that'll happen for sure. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes some of the dialects are so, they're just a bit different from each other, but close enough that we think we're using the right word. And I think that's probably where the misunderstandings mm. come in. Um, but, and then also there's been um, criticism of just like, you know, like when we are using the language, how are, like how is that coming across to people who are trying to learn their language, whether that's kind of a, a negative thing in the fact that we're, you know, maybe not taking into consideration and trying to make people feel bad about it, but that's totally not our intention oh. at all. You know, we want, we're really trying to just provide another avenue of understanding the artwork. Yeah, I mean, it's a very complicated and obviously there's a lot of, you know, difficult conversations that come with language and the attempted erasure of so many cultures and languages from colonization. Um, but when you're sort of navigating those waters, what's it like sort of starting these conversations or hearing, you know, hearing maybe some difficult criticisms of like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this or doing that or whatever you guys are hearing. But what's it like sort of navigating those waters when it's such an emotionally charged conversation for a lot of people? Well, we be try to be very tactful. Of course, <laughs> we, very do, nice. we do take the feedback in, mm -hmm. and um, you know, there's sometimes we when like when somebody does find like an incorrect misuse of the word or something like, we do try to follow up with the, some of the translators just to see if that's you know maybe mm -hmm. something happened there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty good so far. Like I, I don't know, have you found anything that's been well, it's like when when we're reading them and we're all standing and they're looking at it and we're all trying to say something and everyone's like, oh, I don't know if I said it right, you know, like, and 
that's always just like we're learning we're yeah. learning and it's okay to make mistakes so that's yeah. that's the way i approach it is it's okay to make mistakes because we're really trying hard here yeah that's beautiful beautifully said and, and humility is so important when it comes to you know translation and all these things because they're such you know crazily uh, emotional subjects and stuff but how how do you why do you think um art and language kind of go hand in hand in a way of of being able to express yourself and being able to sort of say what you want to say maybe if you don't have the words for it you you have a picture for it or if you if you don't have the picture you have a sculpture if you don't you know maybe just talk about the the connection between language and art and how they kind of go hand in hand a little bit well, like I said, going back, like ever since um, artists have been presenting at Urban, like they have been incorporating some sort of uh, word or naming in their titles or projects. And um, just to see like how um, how Indigenous languages have really been, um, you know, supported over the years, especially with the, um, uh, with all the, um, what is it called at the U of M, the, um, like that calls to action, the, the, oh, the, the, what is TRC. the TRC's call, call to action, action. And that's one of the main um, mm -hmm. um, calls to action is to incorporate more indigenous languages. So um, so for us, it's like, I don't know. I, th I feel like um, it's just like, I can't remember what the question was, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just mean sort of in general, speaking to how language and art have always sort oh, of been right. intertwined, right? Yeah. And 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 you, like you mentioned, so many artists have been incorporating, even if just the title or the description or something in, in, in their indigenous language. But like, how do you, why do you think language and art are so intertwined? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking, like just now because of the TRC calls to action. And also a lot of artists are really interested in going back and learning more about their histories and stuff. So um, so it just seems like it's it's just um something that's naturally happening. And I think for me when um when I see that happening, when artists are using more language, it's like, I don't know, I feel like sometimes it's kind of a more poetic way to describe the projects and um, yeah, just, uh, it's really great. Like, and I think it's just also artists want to learn their own language. So they're, you know, little by little, they're putting that into their own work. So it's a beautifully collaborative project, which is really, really cool. That's one of the coolest things about it. Um, how do you think the approach to, um, indigenous art has changed over the last like decade or so, or, you know, how it's kind of, now we have the art gallery, Komayak, and everything that's kind of coming out of there. And just, you know, the the, the general conversation and, and just the average person's awareness of Indigenous art, I think, is is improving day by day. But how do you think it's changed over the last decade or so? Oh, it's changed significantly, for sure. And just kind of thinking of, like, how Urban started as a response, because Indigenous artists weren't getting shows, curators weren't really interested in the work, it was really hard for artists to get exhibitions. So you know, this place, um, this gallery started as a space, a safe space for artists to be able to present to one another, you know, talk about ideas, and they started bringing in more outsiders to work with them, other curators from other parts of Canada. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting in the last probably five years, because there's been such a push from different levels of government and funders, um, and just to, um, for institutions to indigenize. So, um, however, that's been happening, you know, Urban's been part of part of that upswing and people have been con contacting us as a resource to kind of learn more things about 
how to work with indigenous artists and stuff, which isn't really any different than working with any other artists. But I think people are just trying to be careful, you know, and they, you know, they're trying to, you know, approach it in a really good way. So, um, yeah, so I just find that there's a lot more opportunities for indigenous artists now with all types of galleries and institutions. And so it's a really amazing thing to see. It's beautiful to see for sure. So what's next for Urban? What's next for you? What's next on the docket? How, how's 2022 looking for you when it comes to get <laughs> uh, shows and exhibitions and galleries and everything? Um, it's looking pretty good. Um, we are kind of going to start half opening up now. We've, I mean, like as if we've already been, like I said, like doing it by appointment only. Um, but I think maybe we can start moving into a little bit more regular, just uh, open door. Um, we're still trying to be safe and adhere to all the um, restrictions and protocols around health wise. Um, but also um, one thing we didn't mention is that, you know, we also want to put a shout out to Canadian Heritage because once we had the uh, Winnipeg Foundation um, backing, uh, we started building more projects. And so um, with the Winnipeg Foundation, we started with the didactics and text materials, but now Janelle has uh, even more amazing projects. So do you wanna mm -hmm. mention those ones? Yeah, so right now we're working on a project called the Speech Act Project. And it's a partnership with Winnipeg Trails Association. So we're taking some gallery programming out on the trails. Oh, cool. And so upcoming, there's gonna be two public programs that have bike tours. Awesome. And it's gonna be in the winter. So in March <laughs> wow. and April, look out for those bike tours <laughs> and we'll go visit a spot that we're activating with some indigenous architecture, a bench with sound that where you can hear the language. Oh, nice. And then That's awesome. the other one is going to be in the digital landscape, and it's going to be an app that helps you learn language while you're out. Wow. So, new tech. It's all, it's all brand new. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. We're really like finding unique ways of doing more uh, audio and language, which is really, really exciting. Well, it just sounds like a convergence of nature and technology and language and art. And like, that's, you know, <laughs> check, 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 check. Those are pretty yeah. cool things. Yeah. That's very well, cool. We're pretty ambitious right now, but <laughs> hey, that's it's the, fun. That's the way to be for sure. So if people want to learn a little bit more about Urban, Urban Shop and Gallery, where do they go? Is it Urban? Or I think I have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, on our website. It's the best place to find all the information. We just got a new website too. So we're actually doing a launch. I'm not sure when this podcast will um, be produced, but on December 4th, we're doing an artist talk with the current artist we have right up right now, Nadia Mir. Um, but we're doing it by registration up to 25 people. So uh, she's going to speak at two. And then from three to five, we're going to do a launch of the website. We're doing a publication also um, language-based, uh, one of the exhibitions uh, Janelle curated. And we also have some new swag for our 25th year anniversary. So, um, so like all, of that, all of that can be found on the new website, www.urbanshaman.org. Fantastic. Urbanshaman.org for that information. Um, ladies, thank you so much for talking to me. At the end of our time together, uh, we do a little segment called Just Because, where I ask the same seven <laughs> questions of all my guests, just about the causes you care about and the effect that it's had on your lives. That's because and effect. Are you okay to go through that with us? Yeah, sure. All right. I guess we'll just do sort of one, one answer first and then the other answer second, if you want, or however you guys want to kind of do it. Uh, but the first question is, what is the very first cause you ever remember caring about? Oh, yeah. Um, when I was younger, uh, I was living in the northwest area of Winnipeg, <laughs> and we had a group of us 
and we played football and we went for bike rides and we played baseball and we called ourselves the Jigtown Jiggers. It's <laughs> very passionate about that. Wow, that's a great cause. Are you are you still are you still active with the with the group today? Is that still a group? We that you... like to talk. We like to talk, but not much action. <laughs> hey, sounds fun. That's great. Dana, do you have a, the answer for that one? Um, I'm not sure so much a cause, but I guess uh, for me, it's always uh, been about art. So um, I think just knowing that, you know, I was an Indigenous person, I was adopted, so I didn't really know what type of Indigenous person I was. Mm. <laughs> um, so, but art has always been kind of always in my head since I was a kid, and I remember that very, very succinctly. <laughs> I spoke with uh, Erica Daniels on the podcast. She's a filmmaker in, in out of Winnipeg, and she we talked a lot about identity and how art can. And she's a filmmaker, so her art form is film. And she just talked about how knowing yourself and being able to express yourself through art is such an important part of like figuring out who you are. Did you go through that experience at all? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Very cool. Uh, awesome. So, question two: If money and politics and logistics were no issue at all, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen. What's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause, which could be art or languages or whatever cause you you currently uh, are focusing on? Um, mine would be make indigenous languages official languages. Mm. Very cool. Um, I guess, uh, once again, it come back to being, uh, coming back to art. Um, yeah, I just wish that uh, artists could make a living, you know, have a full-time job as their, uh, as their passion and as their profession. So beautifully said, I've been talking about that a lot because of how much art and things I've been consuming during the pandemic. I really hope people are like, Hey, maybe we should pay these people, <laughs> you know, a handsome salary to yeah, make this stuff for us. Right? Money. <laughs> exactly. No, great answer. I love that. Uh, question three, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about your cause? Um, for language, um, Roger Roulette told me like, it's not, the languages aren't dying. Like they're not extinct. They're still there it's the institutions that need to step up. And so more institutions need to step up. Beautifully said, yeah, agreed fully. Dana, same, same question. Yeah, I think um, this kind of build on that, um, this idea of indigenizing institutions. Um, I think there's uh, just to be able to let people know, like even though maybe you're hiring an indigenous person within your staff, it's, it's really hard for them to be able to kind of make change happen on a huge level through <laughs> yeah. only one person and you know it's like it's a system right and like how are they supposed to create all this change when they're just one person so I think the, the idea of indigenization which I think language really kind of um, fits right into is just being able to you know realize that it, it takes a lot more than just one person to be able to you know affect change so Beautifully said. Awesome. Uh, so question four, what's a recent victory, either personally or professionally, that uh, you'd be willing to share with us? Um, well, I already shared this one about the Speech Act project. So that one's a big victory. That's awesome. For yeah, me, cool. professionally and personally. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have to agree with her. I think just being able to um, be able to ha have this formally within our programming is really great. And I hope it's something that's going to be some some way that we can permanently keep it going uh, over the years. So, mm -hmm. very cool. Uh, question five: What's the best advice that you've ever been given? 
best advice um I don't know I guess proofread <laughs> proofread before publishing <laughs> yeah <laughs> check and double check double check and then triple check yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great answer very good Dana do you want to take a stab at that one I think this might kind of fall into a bit of reconciliation um I know that when I was like when I was producing art when I was younger uh, when I was in art school I was really uh, you know I kind of started learning about the residential school stuff and how awful it was and you know I started feeling really kind of emotional around it and I felt like oh I could do a project on this um, but then not really understanding, you know, kind of who that's going to trigger mm. and am I that person to um, bring that up. So I think it's just, I think artists have to be very careful right now, especially because everybody is really getting caught up in the whole residential school thing. And it's, you know, like there are families and people who have experiences personally who, you know, maybe that's just not the way they want to see it or hear about it. Um, so yeah, I think we just got to be careful on the way that we kind of keep bringing up this, um, these types of situations. For sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a great perspective and, and an important thing to remember. Very, very good. Um, maybe for both of you, what advice would you give your younger self if you could look back and talk to both of them and just what advice would you pass forth if you could? Mm, keep going <laughs> you're doing good <laughs> just keep swimming i love it yeah no that, that's good for everyone right like yeah great answer um, yeah i think pretty much the same thing um i just kind of wish i had maybe pushed uh going moving into art in a little younger stage mm. I, I never seemed to get into it when i was in the high school classes and stuff so i really started pursuing it after i graduated but um, yeah, I think it's just try not to take it all too seriously and just, you know, really enjoy what I was doing. So Yeah, same when I was in school. Art was kind of like a secondary, like it wasn't really a main focus. It certainly wasn't like, hey, you could be an artist, you know, it's like there was no no one saying that. Right. So it's just beautiful now that in today's day and age, we can say, like, this is a path you can go down and, you know, hopefully we can get some more funding and everything towards the arts. But uh, you can make a living, kids. You can do it if, if you if you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Great. Uh, thank you both for the conversation so far. I really appreciate your time. Uh, the last question is usually the hardest for people, but what do you want to be remembered for? Um, for me, uh, I look up to what people always say about my grandpa. And he, they always say that he's a hard worker. And I'm like, I want to be a hard worker. I remember for that. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say the exact same thing. Hardworking. Contributing to the arts, hopefully. Beautiful. Well, are you guys satisfied with each other, working with each other? Are you both hard workers? Oh, Can yeah. you confirm yeah. that? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Great. Well, Jane. What about and, you, Nolan? Uh, uh, I work hard most of the time, I will say. Uh, you know, I do like to relax and you know play video games as you can maybe see my my <laughs> section here but I yes I definitely work hard when I'm passionate about the project that I'm working on right like I when I was in high school and stuff I, I didn't really love a lot of the things that I was doing so I was kind of like ah, you just half-ass it a little bit but now that I'm working at the foundation and I'm really passionate about you know talking to people like you and just being able to sort of do good work I feel that I'm I'm proud of I it's really easy to work hard on work that you're excited and enthusiastic about so yeah good question and being like that is just like being a kid right yes exactly like, that's just how kids are <laughs> we were just kids <laughs>
every day I'm like, I get to do this as a job, just talk to two, you know, amazing human beings and just like get inspired every day. Like pr pretty good gig, pretty good gig. <laughs> well, thank you guys for talking to me, Janelle and Dana, both from Urban Shaman. Again, urbanshaman.org for all your information. You can check out the virtual tours, check out all of their stuff. There's so much, so much stuff on that website already. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great view and, and uh, it was a great conversation. So thank you very much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you again, Dana and Janelle, for the conversation today. It was really my honor to learn more about Urban Shaman and some of the projects you've been working on. Really interesting stuff, you know, connecting art with language. And uh, to learn more, go to urbanshaman.org. I think we mentioned that earlier, but urbanshaman.org. Really cool organization doing incredible work since 96 for over a quarter of a decade in our city. So uh, congratulations on your anniversary year and all the best in the future. All music on this show is produced and composed by Trenton Burton. You can find more of his music by searching Trenton Burton on Spotify. The Cause and Effect is a podcast of the Winnipeg Foundation. To learn more about the foundation, follow us on social media by searching at WPGFDN or by going to the website WPGFDN.org. Thank you for listening. Uh, I really appreciate you tuning in. I know there's a million podcasts you could be listening to. So the fact that you listen to this one is very special and uh, I very much appreciate it. Uh, so we'll be back same time, same place next week. And remember, the limits of your language are the limits of your world. Bye-bye. <laughs>